Kia ora na malo and welcome to Champions of the Pacific. I'm Tali Anderson. Aloha, I'm Vinnie Wiley. Today, the Northern Marianas lays out their plan for hosting the Pacific mini-games in the middle of a global pandemic. And the first Pacific Island woman to win a pro singles tennis title is immortalised in the United States. It's been eight years since the Northern Marianas were awarded hosting rights for the 2021 Pacific mini-games. Super typhoons, the withdrawal of government support and COVID-19 have combined to throw plenty of caution to the wind, so much so that the event will now take place in 2022. But with the government back on board and close to 90% of the Territory's eligible adult population having received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, it's all steam ahead in Saipan. The CEO of the Games Organising Committee, Vicente Benbebauta, and Chief Executive of the Pacific Games Council, Andrew Minogue, joined me to talk about the progress and the challenges of hosting a major event in the middle of a pandemic. I began by asking Andrew Minogue whether he was confident the mini-games will go ahead as planned in eight months' time. We're not out of the woods yet. Obviously, there's still a lot of work to do between now and June next year, but I think we all take great comfort in the fact that Tokyo happened, uh, that Olympic Games was delivered successfully and they kind of showed us all the way and we can see now since Tokyo that particularly in Europe and the Americas a lot of sport is opening back up uh, to spectators and to the public and for athletes and teams to be able to move around. I think for us next year that's going to be the remaining challenge for us is to make sure that we can get athlete representatives from all of our countries We were lucky that we succeeded in doing that for the Olympic Games. It came down in a few countries' cases. I think you would know this, Vinny, that athletes were located offshore, so they were able to be selected and go from a destination to Tokyo that was closer to Japan and they were able to get there. Hopefully it's a bit easier for us next year. Uh, But I know Ben can speak about this, but he and his team are doing a lot of work with the um, health authorities already to put COVID plans in place. No doubt it's going to be a challenge to us, but we've got a lot more hope, I think, than we had three or four months ago uh, before the Olympics were actually done successfully. So fingers crossed we can all have a good game next year. What is the mood on Saipan, uh, Vicente, in terms of uh, be it the organising committee, yourself as CEO, just the locals in terms of whether they believe these games can go ahead, whether they want them to go ahead, what their concerns are, what they're excited about? Good question. The entire environment and landscape of the NMI is quite uh, optimistic. And right now, the entire community is very, very uh, positive, looking forward, very excited for this game uh, because we're starting our bubble travel out of Korea. We're one of the few, if not uh, the only one yet uh, that was approved from Korea. So we're receiving an average of 2,000 travelers uh, last month. So by December of this year, closer to 7,000 travelers. So it's a good dry run basically for our next year's game. Uh, Just to add on, the ONOC was here a couple weeks ago, right after Japan Olympic. They did share some best practices from Japan Olympic, uh, the playbook, both athletes and and officials. So we're taking that to and customize it locally in terms of our COVID task force protocol also. But the entire community, uh, both Rhoda, Tinian, the nearby islands, which we're going to facilitate a game also on each of the island, are quite excited. Uh, and, you know, uh, on the launch uh, a couple of months ago, we had the flags uh, plastered the entire Oleaz sports complex. And it still does. We still have it. 
And of course, the countdown, what makes a difference, we have a huge countdown clock in front of our uh, Olay sports complex and everybody was, uh, everybody's uh, keeping an eye on it. So, you know, we're receiving our first shipment of uh, Baja uh, this afternoon, uh, six out of the 18 from Fiji. So the Federation quite excited to unload uh, the container this afternoon uh, and the rest are all coming in uh, in December. Andrew, you mentioned earlier this year that you guys will be watching Tokyo very closely to, to learn the lessons of how they went about those Olympic Games. Uh, what, what's your take on, on that event and, and what you'll be able to implement uh, in, in these specific mini games and I guess any future games beyond? Japan obviously had resources that um, we could only dream of in the Pacific, you know, in terms of um, the way they managed uh the, the flows of athletes in and out of venues how they had them perfectly quarantined in the in the games village um i guess it's it's something we're going to have to work through with the on the ground conditions things like masks social distancing making sure athletes have a plan in terms of where they're going to go if it's not at competition or in the village or at a training venue I think Japan was very strict in terms of athlete movements outside of those um, core functions that the athletes had. So we need to really think about that carefully uh, because, you know, at one level, the Pacific way, particularly on our rest days, uh, Sundays where we don't have competition, is the opportunity for villages and local communities to host the athletes um, and have sort of cultural and community exchange so they're the traditions that we like to uphold we're going to have to be very careful about the extent to which we can do that next year um, in those sort of downtimes that the athletes are going to have in the program it's going to be we're just going to have to wait and see what the conditions are like uh, once we get into the first quarter of next year how easy is it to travel what are the quarantine rules when you get there and um, we'll put the plans in place accordingly for the games. I'm hopeful that travel will be a lot more freely available by that by June of next year and that we can actually get there from all of the countries of the Pacific fairly easily. We'll just have to be very careful with how we, we all manage ourselves on the ground. Vicente, in my bid for 2017 and then went again and was successful for 2021. So even with a 12-month delay, this is clearly a Games that the people up there want. You guys really want to host your fellow uh, countries and territories. You want to welcome people to Saipan. You want to show off your home. Um, so how much would it mean to you guys to have these Games go ahead and, and be a success? Well, it's going to be really, really big. Uh, it's quite important, uh, obviously, for the NMI, uh, just in lieu of our travel industry, uh, as mentioned earlier. This is one event uh, that we're making history on. Uh, first and foremost, and number two, just welcoming our South Pacific uh, family and more so the Micronesian also uh, into Saipan, into NMI uh, is quite important. Uh, we are working really hard behind the scenes in terms of all the protocol. Uh, a good example is the hotel uh, facility. Uh, we're going to treat it like a COVID hotel itself where only athletes can be allowed. Uh, no visitors, for example. Uh, we were, we're using all the best practices currently, uh, and we have done a really good job, uh, honestly. Uh, as you can see, the numbers just on the NMI side are very, very controlled, uh, more so in the port of entry. 
so with that said, I believe it's quite important for the economy itself, more so for the hotel. We're injecting a lot of money into the hotels, the restaurants, for example, and the catering, uh, and just the entire community, business community out there. They're quite excited because uh, we haven't had this in a long, long time, obviously since last year, you know, March 2020 when uh, we got locked down. But tourists that are coming uh, currently are very small. Uh, and of course, Korea, there are men, uh, more resort travelers versus spenders. Uh, they do spend obviously on, uh, on groceries and, and gift, but not, not necessarily any luxury items. So we're looking forward for more visitors and more so uh, the friends and family of the South Pacific uh, nation and the entire Micronesia to NMI. Abigail Tediapisa is the undisputed queen of Pacific Island tennis. In 2019, she became the first Pacific Island woman to win a pro singles title, which helped her return to the top 300 in the WTA rankings. She also collected three gold medals at the last Pacific Games in Samoa, winning the women's singles title and the doubles and teams titles, playing alongside her sister Marcia and cousins Violet and Patricia. This month, she added another accolade after being inducted into the Georgia State Athletics Hall of Fame class of 2021. So I got an email just letting me know first before it was going to be officially announced. Um, shocked, surprised, really happy at the same time. I obviously couldn't really tell anyone until it was um, announced, so I had to kind of keep it to myself for a whole week. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really happy and really proud and yeah. The 29-year-old was a two-time All-American in 2012 and 2014. She set a school record for match wins and reached the semi-finals of the NCAA Women's Tennis Singles Championship. She even managed a win over future world number 87, Christy Ahn, who was competing for Stanford University. When I was playing NCAAs, uh, maybe my final year of college or my third year, I played Christy Ahn. Um, I think she was going to Stanford at the time, and uh, American. And now she, I've seen her on tour a couple of times and, you know, watching her play the Grand Slams this year. Um, I won that one, but... I think she was, she actually retired after the second set. She was quite unwell. Got to take every win where it comes. As a senior in 2014, Abigail finished 15th in the college singles rankings and she earned the university's Blue Carpet Award as Female Student Athlete of the Year. But she says her fondest memories were the friendships she formed with her teammates and fellow Panthers in the Peach State. The teammates and the people and travelling, it was just, it's you know, it's a whole different like seeing being in college and trying to juggle university and be traveling at the same time. But I, I really, I loved it. One, because you get, you got to be in a team. Like sometimes tennis can be such a individual sport. And like, especially now that I've been on tour and I could see that it's, it can get really lonely and um, traveling alone all the time. So that's one thing I really miss about being in college is always being a part of a team, traveling with a group of people and, yeah, the friendships have stayed on. She thinks being in a team environment is part of the reason why her and her family do so well at the Pacific Games, because every couple of years she gets to play with them and compete together. I like the the environment of being in a group and the atmosphere and cheering on like your teammates. I don't know, it just makes me feel proud, and especially like during the Pacific Games, representing you. I got to do it with my family.
Now, COVID-19 put the brakes on Abigail's tennis career in 2020, as it did many athletes around the world, but this year has brought an all-new challenge as she welcomed her first child in August, a son called Luca, with her partner, PNG Football International, Alwyn Comalong. Well, last January, actually, was when I was starting to get back into the whole tournaments after the Pacific Games in Samoa, so I was really looking forward to that. Um, and then, obviously, had to come back because of COVID. And then... I still, you know, kept training for the rest of the year. And then with my dad passing, that just, you know, put everything on hold. And now with the baby, I guess everything's kind of changed for me now. She's been back home in Port Moresby since the start of the pandemic and says it's great to have a family around. It's quite nice because I have a lot of help here, like my mom, my auntie, my sister. So, you know, within the first week I was able to go out and do things um, and I've still got a lot of things to take care of since my dad passed away trying to keep busy with that as well at the same time so yeah I've been able to do um, things but like with a newborn it's also been uh, like with sleep so sometimes I get really lazy too and I just basically sleep all day. (laughs) After spending the last couple of months adjusting to her new life as a family of three she admits the idea of getting back out on the tennis court and out on the tennis circuit and competing around the world has begun to enter her mind. Uh, during my pregnancy, I was still, because I missed, you know, playing so much, going to the gym, working out, and even still, I still feel that way. And, like, it's been in the back of my mind the whole pregnancy. And um, the last couple of weeks, I have been talking about it. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, if I actually start trying to start hitting again, it might come back to me. But it's something that I still would like to try and do just not sure how it would work with a baby now Um, but I think I do definitely want to try it out um, next year and also you know um, with mini games next year like maybe that could be a start I'm not sure if I'm playing that or not but I know there's a lot of moms on tour so like it's possible and she doesn't have to look too far for a doubles partner or opponent either yeah I'm lucky I have my um, younger sister she's at home at the moment and she's actually um the head coach for the junior lead squad and she's working with PNGT and the junior program here. So yeah, if I'm wanting to get back on the court and if she has time and if she wants to, <laughs> if she's up to it, um, there's definitely someone with, um, yeah, I have a, also another young player, Eddie, who also was um, in the men's team for the Pacific games. I can hit with. If it's good enough for Serena williams for, uh to have her young daughter Olympia getting a tennis education in her first few years of life, then why not for uh, Abigail Teriapisa's son, Luca? Uh, maybe he's going to be the next big thing out on the tennis courts. What do you reckon? Oh, yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see because his dad's a footballer, so you just never know. Yeah, there's a bit of friendly competition there, I think. Uh, her dad's talking about the son being the next Lionel Messi or the next uh, Kylian Mbappe mm-hmm. in football. So uh, she she says she lives on the tennis courts in Port Moresby, so it's inevitable her son's going to pick up a racket at some time. Well, if you want to hear more from champions of the Pacific like Abigail at Tiriapisa, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz. Just click on the Pacific tab. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until next time, ka kite.